Let's go. Eeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee
the opening Breakspeare scene, we get a little father and son time. Jonah is eating breakfast. Absalom comes in and is also eating breakfast. They're basically discussing uh, Sophie's performance in Parliament, which was either the day before or a couple of days before. And then they also get into a little bit of piety talk. And the other thing we learn is that Sophie is actually currently in Parliament accepting condolences for her father who just passed. And that's the thing that really catches Jonah's mm-hmm. ear. You can tell he does not care at all about the studies that his, that his father's trying to push on him. He's really just one-track minded and he was blown away by Sophie's introduction in the last episode. So that's kind of where his head's at and that's where this conversation leads. Oh, his ears just perked the fuck up. Yeah. He is scheming. He's like, ah, okay. Does a little, uh, you know, fake go up the steps, turn around right away and goes right back towards parliament. Mm-hmm. Dad gives him the first lesson of politics and that is that magnanimity and victory goes a long way in disarming one's enemies. So thanks for the lesson, Dad. Thanks, Daddy. Yeah, no problem. So uh, we get to see Jonah where his destination is, which, like we said, is Parliament itself. Uh, he goes back to like that upper level. So Sophie is on the ground floor of Parliament while Jonah watches from above, and she's just you know accepting everyone's condolences about uh, her father's unfortunate passing. Uh, when this is all over, you know the stream of people come in, and she kind of waves the white flag essentially basically tells everyone you know to get out and afterwards you, know, you get a kind of the mask falls off a little bit her and her uh, maid janila i believe her name is they start mocking actually the people who are giving the condolences and they start mocking her father mm-hmm. which i thought was an interesting little development and while they're doing this jonah slips makes a noise and he gets caught spying on them just the loudest footsteps ever. yeah right it's so the least incognito thing i've ever heard in my life but she is a boss in this she's so cool i mean you're introduced to her and Ritterbane's being a dick. You don't like him. He's an asshole. And you know that she doesn't like him either. So when she kind of takes his outlook at Parliament yeah, or whatever, points, it's like, yeah. come on, don't follow in his footsteps. So this is a great scene. Well, later you kind of get that more. But yeah. her just immediately turning with that like black veil over her face and then flipping in and just laughing with her maid who she's chummy with. Yeah. Even though she's got the like, anti-critch stance or whatever. It's fucking awesome. She knows how to play the game, man. She would be a great Game of Thrones character. She really honestly. would. So what happens after she hears Jonah, she demands that he comes down or she's going to get him arrested. So Jonah walks his way down to the steps and goes to the first floor to meet Sophie face to face. And one of the quotes that I've really liked, because it seems pretty epic when you think about who these characters are, how they have not met yet. I think Sophie says to him, I suppose it was inevitable that our paths are going to cross eventually. And the weight behind that and what is going to happen because of them meeting is just so epic in my opinion. I love it. Great chemistry here between these two. So we learn a few things here. We learn that first of all, I don't know that Jonah had ever seen her before, right? That we're not, they had never crossed paths before uh, because Ritterbane was holding her hostage. Basically we learned that her mother died at birth and that he said that people thought she was a simpleton. Like he's yeah. surprised by how smart and beautiful and everything she is because they thought she was a simpleton. Mm-hmm. And then we do learn here that she's faking the anti-critch agenda, basically. Mm-hmm. She takes into account what her advisors are telling her because she has this grand plan. We have no idea what it is at this point. And she's just trying to make political steps that that raise her status. And what she's, she goes to tell Jonah is that that Critch speech she gave in Parliament in honor of her dad 
she would have been dumb not to do it because right. it just garnered so much popularity instantly off of someone who most people didn't even know existed. So that was awesome from her. And then she also dropped some knowledge that she knew that Jonah wasn't kidnapped by her father. And she knew that Jonah knew that, she, you know, like the, yeah, yeah. all of that. So great. That, that shows that she's not only just like a good political adversary. She's, she has her fingers in all these different places. She knows what's going on. She has him absolutely eating out of the palm of her hand. Mm-hmm. She has this quote. She goes, we could be friends if we had a mind to. I suspect we have much in common. The two sole heirs of the city's two most important families, overprotected, chronically underestimated. There's only one difference I can see. I am free of my parents. I was like, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of great quotes in this scene from yeah. her. And she also just straight up, I know Luke, you already said this, but she just straight up tells Jonah that, or puts it back into his mind that it's the mom that is, you know, not only does she say it's, it wasn't my dad. She says it was somebody that loves you or loves your, your father or whatever. Cause he says something like who else, but my enemy, greatest yeah. enemy. And he goes, she goes, maybe his greatest love. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> so she knows some shit, man. Definitely. She's little finger, dude. Yeah. Why master Jonah? Is that fear in your pretty eyes? Are you scared of poor little Sophie Longabane? <laughs> <laughs> like damn right. I am. We don't even need to clip that in. That was perfect. <laughs> uh, that's the I, end of them, unfortunately. Yeah, that is the end for, of the Breakspear yeah. uh, storyline for the episode, so we'll put a pin in that until episode seven. I already can't wait to get to the chaos speech. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Chaos is a ladder, little finger. Whoa. So our next bucket we're going to go through is the Spurn Roses, and that just encompasses all of, obviously, Imogen and Ezra, but as well as Mr. Grius. And our first scene in this episode with them is in the Spurn Rose house itself, and Imogen is agreeing to publicly appear with Mr. Grius. Mm-hmm. And she's telling Ezra about the part of the deal that she has to uphold socially for him to give them money. This is where she receives the, the dress, mm-hmm. right? Because they're yep. going to the uh, the charity auction. He's, he didn't spared spare, no expense, yeah, baby. Exactly. He didn't spare any expense for, for our girl, Imogen. Yeah. He knows how to treat a lady. This is also the scene where we find out that Dr. Morange is Imogen and Ezra's dad's friend yep. so ezra yeah. kind of comes in in a, in a tizzy being like he won't believe it what is he about to tell her yeah. i didn't even think because of course all these storylines are so separate yeah well that's the thing we're not supposed to know until right he says which it. is cool i love how the spurn roses eventually tie in in these mm-hmm. two i was gonna say this is finally seeing a, besides it being a compelling story on its own looking at like how yeah racist a, spe- a society with multiple species is mm-hmm. it's finally starting to connect back to philo a little bit in a which huge way i remember the first time watching this show i I was so confused at how it was the same TV series. Ezra can literally fuck off. It's all Imogen for I me. freaking yep. love, and we'll get to it, I love the scene with Philo and Afiza when they come oh, in. Yeah, yeah. It's so Yes, good. yes, yes. I think that's the end of this Yeah, episode. that's the end of the app. So the episode goes on. There's a while before we jump back to this storyline, and we eventually go back to Mr. Agrius making an appearance in the episode. And he arrives in public in his cool black carriage <laughs> holding Imogen's hand. Yep. And everyone starts like, you know, doing the typical whisper, like yeah. stop and look and see what this atrocities that's going on. I thought this was so compelling. Mm-hmm. Every ounce of this, because Imogen is finally, she wasn't being bitchy at all this entire episode. She was like in on it. She's laughing yeah. with him. She thinks he's funny. She's letting out bursts laughs at He'll him. He'll turn episode. Yeah, yes. truly. So... In the very beginning, yeah, he'll turn. <laughs> in the very beginning, you could tell she's uncomfortable, but as soon as he starts talking, 
to her other rich friends. She's like, this guy's my boy because he says like, oh, I know you're uncomfortable. Would you need do you need something to drink? And she's like, please, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, hook me up. This whole entire conversation, he's just cool, calm, collected. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about what all the people in Carnival Carnival Row care about. He just he's just such a straightforward. Yeah, exactly. I love him. He's such like a he's, he's so confident in himself. And he's so like real and honest that he just absolutely dominates these like pompous aristocrats in conversation because they have no idea how to deal with him. He makes a joke about the two fucking in the carriage. Yeah. Is like the funny That's part. That's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. he makes a joke. He's she's like, like so I can't believe he didn't up. get stuck in there or yeah. something like that. She's yeah. so wound up. I yeah. can't believe he didn't get stuck yeah, in there. Yeah, it was lit. And it's funny. Yeah. And because- she laughs and everyone looks at her like, what are you laughing at with that critch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> damn bro it's so funny because this whole scene agrius is big dick in it later when they're actually going for the painting so the guy who fucked the girl in the carriage was talking about this painting he's gonna buy pretty much sight unseen agrius is like well, what would you like about it well it's a masterpiece this guy's trying to big dick buy this painting to look and get some clout and be like yeah i've got a hundred fucking thousand gilders gilders gideons <laughs> <laughs> and whatever and my note is literally i wish i had a, a money conversion tool here i'm like yeah. what is 100 well that's like billions? that's like with spartacus luke was figuring that out throughout our spartacus thing we're i also out i also money. did something in the second podcast episode when we finally got a denomination when philo had to buy yes, the the, yes. the contract for vignette yep and when they said, I think it was like 50, 50 yeah. Gilders, like, how do you have that as an inspector is what she says to him. So meaning 300 is like, yeah. I don't know, at, at least a year or two salary of what a normal everyday person is. But that is our next scene in the auction house with these two. I mean, the real going quick, on. though, Kathleen, as a rook, you knew he was going to big dog, right? Oh, oh my God. I was <laughs> yeah. like, I cannot wait. Uh, Had to I, I, was, I was loving. I was waiting. So, oh, okay. I forgot about this scene. Yeah. And it was awesome. It's just so satisfying seeing him win yep. in any form in Carnival Row. I love when Iglesias yeah. is doing well. Well, Leslie Boythorn, first of all, awful. He was man. not one of the people at the tea earlier, right? Well, he, was, he says... No. They say twice in two days. It's is it becoming a thing? I don't. I don't is it just the gossip that they yes, knew? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I would say yeah, probably. <laughs> the bidding. Well, originally he wants to buy it for a hundred thousand gilder. Yeah. He says, and the Giddies. bidding quickly. It starts there, I think, and uh, eventually uh, it's going up and up. And he makes this is Leslie Boythorn. I'm talking about here. Yeah. Uh, bids two hundred thousand gilder. Yeah, and you know the countdown's kind of going down. Louisa Pembroke, you know, is giving image in the eyes from a couple rows above, like "Yeah, damn right, bitch, my man's buying this painting." <laughs> she starts gripping his thigh, and then who else from the back of the room, baby, Mister Agrius, our boy, a three hundred thousand guilders. And the best part is that you know he's he's letting it go up and up. They hit the last one, the two hundred one, where they where they're letting it do the three, two, one. <laughs> and he's he's like going once, going twice, three hundred thousand, and everyone's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> Dude, he's just the pettiest puck in all the land, man. I love it when he it's just so wants good. to make a point. He just goes for it, and he yep. just goes one hundred percent. And nobody wants him to have that either. Oh yeah, and, and that's the best part. They don't look at him impressed by any means. They're like, "Fuck! How mm-hmm. could he even have 
that many gildas. He that says many it to him. And you're he asks Leslie. him right to his face. Yeah, yeah he right. goes, do you even have that? And he goes, on hand, do you mean? I'm like, yeah. yo! <laughs> that was such a badass line. At that point, so dude, good. Imogen was ready to just rip her pants <laughs> off. Imogen, <laughs> they should have showed Imogen gripping his thigh, man. Oh. That hairy thigh. Yeah. And we'll then uh, we yeah, do we'll get, get a quick that. conversation about the buying of the painting right after this in private between Agrius and Imogen. And Agrius just says he he admitted to purchasing the painting just to see uh, Bitch Boy's face. What's his name? Leslie. That's Leslie's his name, face. Bitch Boy. Bitch Boy, yeah. yeah. That, it's she, a perfect response. She just has a genuine laugh and smile. It's just, it's game over from there. Yeah, his quote is so good, too. He's like, I wanted to see his face when he realized that I could take it from him. Yeah. Because he took it for granted that it should be his. This is so true. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. It's so yeah. good. My note here is all caps, sexual tension off the charts. <laughs> yeah, baby. I hope they fuck. I hope so. <laughs> I guess we'll get into that if they do later. Yeah, they, we'll see. To, it's hard to give predictions about how storylines end up when we're not through the second episode yet. Yeah. So yeah. there's not there's only so much we can really comment on until we get there. I, I'm going to put this on the pot. I pretty hear right now they're going to fuck in episode seven. <laughs> it's your reputation. On you I put so? my money on I put my gildas on the line. <laughs> So that does it for the Spurner's storyline for the episode. It sure does. So before we get to the meat of Vignette and Philo, we're going to take a quick hiatus and cover the one of the only scenes that didn't fit into one of these buckets. And it's the, the scene with Quill, who is the former Puck employee of Absalom Breakspear. Yes, he was the one that lost Jonah, pretty much. Exactly, So which made him lose his job, and now yep. he's homeless, and he's turning to this cult. And the scene we have is him walking down Carnival Row with the entire cult and they're all, what's it called? Lashing Lashing themselves, themselves, right? Like in um, Da Vinci's Demons, you know. And then as they're walking by, one of the random humans in the crowds just beats the shit out of Quill and starts kicking him while he's down and the entire cult stands back and watch and says, all as the hidden one wills. Mm -hmm. They're just a free cult and we know it. This is exactly like Game of Thrones. There's nothing really to add there. I will say that... uh Da Vinci Code. Does that happen in Da Vinci? Did Demons? I say demons? I said I meant yeah. codes. I mean, that show fucks, but <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. Silas from the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> Damn, I'm an idiot. No, um, you're good. I, well, yeah, I, but- anytime we can get a little Da Vinci's demons out there in the world, that's a good thing. Holy shit! Yeah, we should podcast on that. Show. <laughs> that show's good. Well, I, I've never seen it, so maybe I'll be a rook. Do you guys want to comment on anything with that quail scene? The moral of the story is that they'll never be accepted or understood by the humans. Yep. It, they are a fully like fuck the human cult and. Mm-hmm. They're stupid, and I hate the storyline, but I'm sure it'll eventually turn into something I like. Yeah, this is another like prequel kind of thing where we're not sure if it's going to end up anywhere yet in episode eight. Could, but I'm just saying it's probably going to be a bigger thing for the next season with Quill. Being like a vet and knowing where this is going, I still think that it's disconnected, and you don't even... Like, I didn't even recognize Quill the second time seeing it. Yes. Uh, when we just thought it was just a random puck that if was just being involved in the story. If you guys didn't tell me that was Quill, I still would not know that was Quill. Exactly. Yeah. The showers did not do a great job of making this seem fit with the everything else that's been going on, but it, it does yeah. have a payoff. It would have been really easy, too, for them to just have a line where he mentions why yeah. he is homeless. Exactly. Something you know, like, that, like if yeah. someone who was sitting next to him eating the bowl of chow could have been like, you know, what happened to you? Um, what are you in for? He's like, oh, I was living large, homie. Now I freaking Jonah sandbagged me and I'm freaking homeless. Yeah, yeah literally that's all it would have took. 
Jonah would fully sandbag him. I mean, I don't know. Well, he didn't get sandbagged. No, it kidnapped. was Breakspear that was embarrassing. No, Breakspear. No, no, no. Jonah would go find him again. I feel like. No, I think Jonah doesn't give a shit. No, I don't really? think he cares either. Yeah, okay. I don't think Jonah really. I don't know Jonah that well. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone? I don't think. I don't think Jonah don't wants think anyone know to know him, him that well. <laughs> I mean, just thinking of Jonah. I don't really know that I like his character in that. Like, I don't see. I wouldn't think he would do we that. We like him because he's with Sophie. Yeah. Yes. He's not too flushed out to hold anything on his own. But when he's with Sophie, it, it's a power scene. Jonah and Portia truly looked different to me in these episodes. I'm watching Portia. I don't know if they did something different. Like, if she didn't have any makeup, something. Uh, I was I like, don't know. you look like a different actor or actress. It's obviously the same. But yeah. I was looking at them in like a different light. Jonah in a better light. Portia. They were gearing you up to hate her. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I don't you know. You hate to see it. You hate really. We'll get to it. We'll yeah. get to it. Okay, so our, that kind of takes away the um, the little quill scene we have in this episode. So now we're going to go through all of vignette scenes. Because again, she's kind of isolated from Philo for this episode. So it'll make sense just to flow through all of her material. And our first scene is vignette waking up in the Tetterby mm-hmm. and with tourmaline, tourmaline, and they have the best moment. Yeah. <laughs> Why do they just kiss in all caps on my on my notes? <laughs> this kind of makes me sad though because I feel like we should know that the end game is her and Philo. So Tourmaline's gonna have her heart broken, man. I know. So basically, what's happening is vignette wakes up. She and Tourmaline's already awake. She walks over. Tourmaline is drawing just some like man, the man yeah. she was with the night before. She says she draws them all, and it and it honestly helps her forget, which is really interesting. But they're talking, and their faces are so damn close. And I, <laughs> I was so hyped for that kiss. Yeah. I'd be not- lying if I didn't say I forgot that they did kiss. Come on. It was so long ago, and I also didn't think anyone was ever going to care about the show besides me. So I I kind of forgot about it. (laughs) Not even in episode one when I was like, they're going to kiss. I should have remembered after Kyle (laughs) gave us the roommate factoid, which is the best factoid so far that Alison has ever said. The the roommate factoid pops up in this scene, too. Yeah. Uh, So their makeout session gets broken up by, I think it's Mora, who's the Madam Mora, walks in and tells them of the murder news, the new death in Moranch, right? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a couple Philo scenes in between. So now our next vignette scene is her doing the lottery rounds again on the streets. Mm-hmm. And she sees the museum, yep. the Carnival Row Museum. And we talked about this is the museum itself that's in the intro scene. Yep. Uh, I mean, the intro um, title sequence for Carnival Row, like where you're seeing all the diagrams and stuff like that. And in while she's in there, she starts to see all these relics from Tiernanak and all these right. sacred the, the exact library. The museum itself, the exhibit is called Treasures of Tiernanak, mm-hmm. is why it draws her attention. Fuck. I thought this was such a good tie-in to the throwback episode three when she is just fiercely protecting this stuff and mm-hmm. and uh, the specific sexy book that they look at together yeah. and i and she says this. specifically that she does not want humans to get a hold of the library and all their books because it could end up in some random berg museum yeah yep. which is um, awesome on the treasures of tiernanog it says no unaccompanied fae allowed yeah and that the episode's called unaccompanied fae yeah. she said it that she said, said it Good catch not to wonder why no accompanied fae piss them off like they're gonna start smashing faces she's freaking pissed the part that i kind of like is when she looks up they even had the yeah. 
it's a ceiling, so it's it's walled off, but it's like the the image the of it going yeah. all the library going all the way up. So the next scene, so this scene is is Vignette alone, and she's having the you know she's in and out of the past and the present. She's having the flashbacks, all right, first, and then the next go. scene is when the women come in. The woman who leads them in there explains that they retook the kingdom of Anun or whatever. I completely missed that. Okay. Yeah. Of course, it's going to have an emotional impact on her, but think about it as the last time she was there was arguably the worst day of her life. Mm-hmm. Philo gets killed. Her arguably. Husband, yeah, well, right. It's not just like, oh, that was my home. It's it's bringing her back to the worst day of her life. And I loved this panic attack, hallucinating breakup things and Philo talking to her and all these different things. I, I thought that was an excellent scene. Yeah, it was I great. Really liked it that. puts her pain in the forefront again, because if you forget in the last couple episodes, because she wasn't like a huge main character, I would say, for the last two episodes. So this was important just to kind of recenter us where we should be at with Vignette. Yeah, well said. And she basically attacks these these old ladies. The woman's like, there's some naughty bits too. And they all go over and like start giggling. But it's it's, it's like that little picture that we've seen a million times. Their legs are intertwined. That's probably the exact instructions on how to do Tourmaline's move where <laughs> where she lifts you while they're banging. Where they're just like it, scissoring. Right? Yeah. And they're all giggling like, ooh, look at that. Look at those scissors. Huh? Yeah. But they, they lose the giggles pretty quickly when Vignette emerges from the darkness and basically freaks out at them. I mean, all I got to say is that Vignette with her flapping wings is not intimidating to me <laughs> at all. Yeah. Get the fuck out. Honestly, she is kind of scary. And I think that humans are just so petrified of, of any quote-unquote critch, pixies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Pikes. No. That direct scene leads to her getting arrested and ripped out of the museum by all of the the policemen all yeah. of philo's co-workers and they just throw her in the back of a car and i think that's the that's last last bit we get a vignette before she gets taken to the constabulary constabulary, constabulary. Got yeah, it. by the constables <laughs> yes this is Makes bringing sense. vignette to there and then Philo will end up there and that's mm-hmm. how they whoa 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 Spoilers. and that's the episode so now <laughs> and that's the end now we're in episode seven <laughs> so right. before we get there you fuckers <laughs> we gotta talk about the goat the legend the og rycroft philistrate mm. love that guy so yes philo is actually the the first person we see in the episode he is arriving at marange's crime scene which was the end of episode what five can i pause um, can i yeah, pause the dog yeah. is alive yeah my first note is okay. The dog did not <laughs> the die. The dog is alive. Yeah. They carry the dog out. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I made see, a big even... deal about yeah. how they killed all the cool creatures in the last episode. And my first note is okay. The dog didn't die. Yeah, <laughs> he freaking got. He must have got effed up though because he was Squeal. squealing and yeah. But he's you alive. Mean, the dark aster was probably either probably didn't touch it, but I'm sure the dog looked at that thing and was like, "What?" So the intro is Philo walking slow-mo through the doctor's house he's obviously thrown by this a uh, bunch of policemen on either side of him and yo this body is fucked up he comes up to dr marange and it, it is guts everywhere of course no liver and then i think it's dombey one of the other policemen are talking about marange just saying i hear he does things that that are frowned upon like the doctor abortions. talking about the doctor yeah Dr. so Marange, uh, uh, abortions reconstructions like shearing of wings like yeah so what's the sheriff for the main uh constable's name flute 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 is the yeah, head of yeah the so flute executive. was saying oh you know he was a good man you know he, ne- he always thought it was a civic duty he just did whatever we needed him to do and then our freaking asshole guy was like ah and i actually thought 
he was like, oh, there are some rumors about him. I thought it was going to be the gay thing. Yeah. But instead it was, you know, he's shearing wings or abortions and all that kind of stuff. And the only other important piece of information we get from this scene is that Philo specifically does not divulge any of the findings from the last two episodes. Yeah, he's kind of zoned out. He's all messed up. And then Flute says, this is your case. You, You know, you need to figure this out. Is there any connections? And he says, no, there's not. The homie. The homie, dude. So our next scene is going to be an in-betweener. It's going to connect a couple of them. And this is Millworthy in Carnival Road during the day and him just walking around (sighs) sad as shit. He's missing his little dudes. He's missing the kobolds, man. (laughs) Where's Fike? Fike? Fife. It's it's Portia, Fife, and Fike, right? Yes. 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 (laughs) Fike. (laughs) And then this is another quick we do see in the background. We see... um, Quill for the first time of the episode. Not really too important. He's just with the cult itself. But I want to stop real quick and talk to you, Rooks, because you guys had some... Talk to me, Luke. You guys had some interesting opinions on Millworthy when he was first introduced. You guys were both calling him Sketchbag. Like, yeah. You didn't like anything he stood for. That was more Jimmy than me, I think. Jimmy was more sketch. I took it like I thought he was going to be the person who was jealous of, of Ashling and like sure. kind of followed on her coattails and yeah, I, I got my boy wrong, and he's a good dude, and he's, he gives Jonas some energy. I was going to say that Jonas yeah. scene was pretty sick, right? It yeah. It's lit, yeah. Uh, I think and that... he takes care of the little dudes, man, except oh, when he loses. He's them. just like a funny theatrical character. It's, yeah, it's I, I definitely got him wrong. I mean, in the beginning, especially in this show, they just throw characters at you without much background. So, yeah, you, you make rash yeah. decisions. I it's also thought, fault, he, Jimmy. Thank you. I appreciate I'll never that. hold it against you. Thank you. The only reason I brought it up is because I pretty much have agreed with all of your guys' opinions on character introductions and what I should think about them, except for this one. So yeah. I just wanted to. I took him as like a hustler, too. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, you're not totally wrong there. He's hustling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a hustler. hustler. So we move on. Millworthy is, you know, sadly looking at the old poster of him and the little dudes. There's our little dudes acting out on there. Uh, then we move to probably the worst character in the show. Uh, we get old Bagstock. Bagstock is just continuing the discussion of the murder with a man who's in the living room with them. I, I don't know what his name is. He's not very important. Uh, but in this conversation, he drops a little cheeky line that, uh, you know, the walls in the place basically are so thin that he hears all the comings Oh, a nice wink, pause. wink, and yeah. goings, <laughs> um, and basically says to Portia, you know, if you don't stop this arrangement, which is him or her rather banging Philo, that he's going to leave. Yeah, he calls her a harlot, this piece of shit. And I mean, Portia, <laughs> Portia just counting out that cash yeah. and handing it to him, be out by the end of the day was chef's kiss. I, I mean, mean, it's just her first, this is her last good scene because fuck her. Yeah. And I, and we make jokes when I said like Imogen's twenty three and she's too old. Well, this guy called her an old widow. Portia's pretty uh, young to me, you know. She's but doing, that seems like a theme because she's doing fine. Philo goes on to say, "Is this is this our next scene right here, uh, where Philo's talking to Portia mm-hmm. in the hotel room, and he tells her that you're still young. Yeah. So he's saying the opposite. Yeah. Like, you're still young. You Go have, have a family, family. kids. You just can't do it with me. He's saying that because he's half blood. Right. Yes. He yeah. can't reproduce. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, he well, I can, mean, like he, but, he yeah. won't he doesn't want to put that on anyone. A quarter yeah. blood. Yeah. Yeah, quarter blood. The quarter blood prince. <laughs> she obviously doesn't know where he's coming from and she refuses to accept his answer on the service level. So, you know, mm-hmm. she continues to dig. And Philo just tells her the truth. I mean, he finally told somebody else the truth and 
basically the outcome is the exact reason why he didn't tell anybody because Portia yep. freaks out, kicks him out. And what did you guys think? Did you expect her to react that way? No. Obviously, we are looking at this through a lens that's fuck these people who are prejudiced against the critches. Anyone who's a half-blood, a whole, a, a pick, a like what? They have wings? I'm just jealous of you. I want to be you. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't think you're less than. I think you're more than and I'm jealous. We're looking at it from that lens. So to imagine before this her not taking it well wouldn't have even been in my I, first of all i'm shook that he told her straight up mm-hmm. like he must have been in some state to just come because she wants to give them a real go and he's and like you said he's telling her kind of no he tells her everything he says the murders are connected to me he's a, the headmaster the doctor who sheared my wings and my mom was the singer and she's like what like this hoe did not react well yeah i mean again she lives in this world she knows him. Mm-hmm. And once she finds out that he's going to get in real, like, murder trouble, she's like, no, 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 no. And c- goes back on his side again. Too late, bitch. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, there's two ways this could have gone. You know, on one side, I think that I wasn't expecting her to react that way. But on the other side, I think that her reacting that way is the right thing because of how it needs for the storyline to go for him to understand that he's just not going to get any kind of the equality that that he's hoping for. I mean, Kathleen, to what you were saying, when he says, no, we can't be together, he was definitely like testing the waters. Listen, I have a secret, you know, and you know that he would want to be with her if she would have said, oh, it's fine. That's how I took it. I took it like, listen, we can't be together because I have a secret. And then she's like, well, tell me the secret. And he's hoping that he's going to tell her the secret. And she's going to say, I still love you. That's how I took it. And then when she didn't, he was like, oh, shit. I felt personally betrayed because I really liked Portia. Yeah. Especially in the beginning. You liked her from the beginning. Especially this episode in the beginning when she just tells Bagstock to fuck himself. Yeah. And then she goes and pulls this shit. I just said, all right, RIP to Portia's character. She's not going to get redeemed in my eyes. She does. She has a good scene later, well, but that's she's, it. She's woke and wise beyond her years in the sexism uh, categories, yeah. but where it comes to the racism mm-hmm. and shit and discriminatory shit, she's an asshole. Yeah, so. yeah. She's not. She's not well rounded like our boy Philo. Partial right. progress. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Philo just is the man for every aspect of social equality. Vets, let me ask: Did you guys think who's he would have killer? Yeah, who's the fucking killer? <laughs> Do you think if she would have said it's all good, do you think I'm on the right track where he or he was like testing it? Or do you just think that he was getting something off his chest and he thought she was going to react the way she thought? Or can I would agree. Tell me? I think I agree with you. I never thought about it. But I mean, obviously, the story could never go that way because vignettes a thing. Yep. But I really I would agree with you that he obviously is going out on a huge limb here to tell her the truth. And I feel like the only reason he would do that is because he a trust her and b the outcome he's hoping for is that she accepts him yeah that's that's kind of how I it feels it, like you know? the ultimate facilitator move where it didn't feel justified that her character would react this way because she seemed likable and she seemed yeah. nice and she seemed a great match for philo but they needed to really instill in the audience that even the good people of carnival row are mm-hmm. still racist just as you see later when flute gives philo a chance to say that he's not a half-blood and he says yes and he just loses his shit saying fuck you i trusted you it's just such a good way to show so much to say about that it's a good one that was a good Mm -hmm. scene right yeah Yeah, luke you pretty much just nailed what i was trying to say about two sides of it because that that way has to go that way just so for every reason you just said it's the perfect way to 
organically reunite Philo and Vignette too. Yeah. She kicks him out. The next scene we go to is he goes to see Darius kind of to <laughs> take a breather and be with his boy. Smoke a cig. And of course his brother knew. He's yeah. like, of course I knew. And then Philo's like, why don't you fucking say anything? Bro, what was I going to, what yeah. was I going to say? It's what like, is there to what say? It is. it is what it is. Listen, why the fuck did you tell her? I can never remember her name. Portia. 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 <laughs> bitch he's a Um, rook let her let her go uh she's the only one whose name i can't remember he's like you're jeopardizing me the only reason they're letting me live is because of you kathleen what's sophie's uh servant's name the girl bitch (laughs) you said she's the only one you can't remember (laughs) (laughs) got gotcha what's the spurn rose puck's name Lafisa. Ah, hey. You could have said Respect. any name and I would have been like, damn, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a question here. Darius says in the beginning, well, when he says, you know, I can smell it on you, like he said ages ago, yep. that the wolf fades slowly. When he said it to him originally, I can smell it on you. We interpreted it as he can smell vignette on him mm-hmm. because the next statement happened. Do you think he meant it that way? Or do you think he meant it that he knew he was Faye then? <laughs> I forgot about that line, but it's a hundred percent. He knew back then. So I I agree. So that's funny because the way I might take it is that he might've thought, well, no, no, no. Okay. So he becomes a werewolf Mm -hmm. and he said he uses, he smells the Fae. So he's saying, okay, you must be banging a Fae. That's how I'm taking it. But then as the years go on and and it's not a thing anymore, then he's still smelling the Fae and he's going, Oh shit. That's all I I'm agree with you, Jamie. It, it totally could have been he figured it out the second that they left a noon. Yeah. The name of the place. Yeah. That makes the sense. The second that they left it and they had to, you know, bail when the pack showed up. And then he figured it out over the next couple of weeks yeah, or so. But because the whole time he's not a werewolf. And then Philo's banging vignette, and then he becomes the werewolf. He smells the fae and he says, Oh, you're banging a fae. Then it but does he? But he doesn't say that. Yeah, no, that's the thing. You're right. That's where it's up for interpretation. So yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's a really I just good thing the, yeah. to catch because I honestly forgot about that. I mean, I just, I mean, I would say it's purely up to our interpretation. I just yep. thought it was, yeah, it was an interesting question. I love Darius. Well, I thought you were going to ask this question, so I'll ask it since you didn't. When he says the wolf fades slowly, is he changing in that cell? That's a great question. I would assume yes, because I don't think they would be nice enough to him to like give him somewhere to go. Well, I mean, what I'm saying, too, is, okay, I don't want to keep bringing up Hogwarts. That's a weird thing, because I never even thought about this for Harry Potter. You change at the full moon, but you only change when the full moon hits you, right? I was just going to bring that up, because it's never specified, but it could be the fact that there's no windows in there. In Harry Potter, they take him to the Shrieking Shack to change, but in Harry Potter, they also, he doesn't change until the moon is... In the one scene that you need the moon, the clouds, the shift to see mm. the moon. So did we I, just get yeah, a that's a good point. I no, I think expand upon the the lore and the rules around werewolves in the next season. The one thing I'm definitely upset about in these first seven episodes is the lack of Darius. I really like Darius, and I and again we talked about it. Probably this really big building season where we're gonna get Darius, whatever later. Yeah, I hate to say that, but it's kind of what this season is. Yeah. But the fact that you guys are engaged with the characters and their relationships themselves, the lore is going to pay off yeah. in the long run. All right. Another name I can't remember. Mustache Man? Constabulary Mustache Berwick. Man? Berwick? Berwick? It's pronounced Berwick. I mean, I'm sorry. It's spelled Berwick, but like the, with their accent, it sounds like he's saying Berwick. Berwick. Yeah, okay. True, yeah. So Berwick from the Constabulary goes to visit the brothel about Marange, right? 
and he's asking and Moira is like, I told Philo everything I needed to know. And he's like, Philo was here because again, at this point, Philo isn't giving them anything. Any of the policemen, he's not giving them anything because Philo knows it's something about him. He's doing his own investigating. So he's keeping that a secret. And this guy who who likes Philo. Yeah. Berwick likes Philo. This is a weird. This is the low point of Berwick's character decision right here is to not talk to Philo first. All the way until episode seven where he gives him the warning. I was confused at this whole part because I thought he would be having his back more. Especially because he told him about the dark hasher. He doesn't uh, try to back him up ever when they're saying he's the murderer. You know, it's like, listen. All right, I mean, he I'm does like, here, though. He backs him up here. You know, he tells Flute and Dombey, and they're like, you know, why would he hide it and stuff? And he was like, I mean, he's probably just going through a tough time. Yeah, but then when they find out he's half fay, and I mean, I guess that kind of gets Barrett going, oh, shit, too. But he's half fay. He must be the murderer. Go get him. We're going to arrest him. You know, I don't know. I would maybe I would think my boy would be like, I didn't say he's a murderer. I was just looking you up with the he's probably a faith thing. I think he's kind of just caught up in the system. Yeah. You know? and then, yeah. No, this, I mean, this is a little bit of a weird scene because it is right after Berwick is going back to tell Flute and Dombey what he learned. And he, he, he mentions the Dark Asher that Philo told him about last episode. And then as this is happening, I think Philo's also walking into the constabulary and mm-hmm. he is in there to ask about Millworthy. Yeah. Because I think he's, is he trying to get more information on, on the past with, yeah, uh, Ashling. with Ashling? Yeah. Yeah. So he got lucky that he timed it like that. Cause yeah. the second he left, they're on high alert about what the hell's going on with Philo. He's yeah. holding back all this information from the cops. Yeah, he's actually and he's given the assignment to um to tail him, to yeah. tail him, right, right. Yeah. Which again, again that speaks your to your point. point. It yeah. doesn't really seem right. I you picked the wrong guy. Like you would think that I would warrant. Like I'd be like, listen, bro, be like, you're Watson, being sketchy. What's Sherlock the deal? A little bit, you know. Like, come on, yeah. Bro. It's like, listen, I'm your bro. We've been bros. Tell me what the deal is. I'm your bro. We've been. We've been bros for for years, man. I mean, I don't know how long, but (laughs) (laughs) they weren't soldiers together like him and Darius. But you would think that he would warn him that he's like his job is to tail him Mm -hmm. and that they have suspicion. I'm going to tell you right now, my homies, my three homies in this chat, homies in the chat. I don't even know what to compare it in this to this day. But if one of you were like, I used to be a fairy, I cut off my wings. Why would you ever do that? It's psychotic. I wish you had wings. It's just so bizarre that in this day and age in Carnival Row, someone, you know them for years, you love them. And the minute you're like, my blood is literally different than you thought it was. And they're like, you traitor. Exactly. (laughs) It's like you changed your whole personality. You know who he is. One thing is like, yeah, you've been lying. That's the thing you're allowed to be pissed at. But mud blood. Yeah, mud blood. I mean, I'm not going to defend Beric because I agree with you guys, but to play a little bit of devil's advocate. I just think that he's, like I said, I mean, he's a little caught up in the system, you know, his, the people that are giving him orders and the way that the system that he's in, I mean, the system's awful, but it's kind of pushing him towards, you know, being being against Philo. I wouldn't tell any of you guys. I I mean, I would tell you, we would just go get a drink and chill. (laughs) While I'm getting paid on the company dime. He's just been (laughs) drinking some beers. That's all he's been doing this whole time. Yeah, well, we'll just smoke some pot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our next scene here is actually going to be a quick step away from Philo because this is going to tie right into it. But this is the Herospex scene with Piety in uh, House Breakspear. This is a pretty cool scene because it starts off, you have no idea what's going on. Yep. And you just yeah. see the witch, the Herospex, in her, you know, wherever she, shop, her house, shop, her shop. Thing. And 
the dark asher or like the monster is right there and you're kind of looking at it through his perspective i think yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. he just the dark asher just fucks up the witch yeah she says i know who you are that's my favorite part about this whole thing is that she tells piety she goes I'll learn who it is right before he kills me. Yeah, because yeah, you find out it's a vision and she's using her powers to see this into the future. Right. So the deal is that the Harrispect is there because she's supposed to be looking in visions of Jonah. Like, that's what she thinks she's doing. And she says, Piety says, what did you see? And she says, my death. And then Piety goes, oh, no. Oh, my God. I love you know? her reaction. And again, is it? Because my whole thing was that I thought that Philo was Breakspear's son. And Jonah is piety and Breakspear's son. So that means that there's two sons. The original vision said Breakspear's son's going to do great things. And I said, that's Philo, not Jonah. So that's why she always wants to be making Jonah do good shit. I thought that she's the one controlling the Dark Asher. Yeah, I love a fucking prophecy. I literally wrote in my notes acting like you know a rook as i would with only the information to act on that i know at this point i was like is jimmy steering jeopardy now yeah so (laughs) it's crazy because i mean you can you can explain it away but it could be explained away by just saying piety knows Ugh, it sucks because you think that Harris Specs has to be the one to create the Dark Asher if it's being used for piety. Mm-hmm. Unless piety can do that kind of magic, which maybe that's just a question we don't have yet. But there's also a thing about piety loves the Harris Specs unless yeah. she's acting. We know she's a good actor. I don't know. I love to think that this was genuine. Yeah. Also, I don't know. My that question that... is, what? what's the point of lying to no. Harris so, Specs? To her yeah, face? exactly. So that's not so that's not where I was going. Where I was actually going was that piety now is controlling the dark asher but she doesn't think she's gonna have to ever send it for the harris specs because that's a future vision so for now she, like because it doesn't say oh. the horror specs doesn't say the dark asher killed me right she just says i saw my death right mm-hmm. truly piety in a month or two could be like fuck i have to kill the harris yeah specs. exactly that's <laughs> what i'm saying wow i kind of love that idea that's so really like funny. for now she's like I mean, Kyle and Luke, does she say it's a Harris Specs? Because I feel like she also, I think she might have actually. The no, Dark Asher, you're saying, not Harris Are the Dark Asher, because the Harris Specs, Piety says you need to stay in with me. or No, or no she knows. Piety I, knows it's the Dark Asher. They do, because scenes that lead that to be implied is later when she finds out that the murderer who she thinks, who Piety herself thinks is the Dark Asher, like the equivalent, killing yeah. all these people, is gone off the streets. Like, you don't have to worry about yeah. staying in here. So, I mean, I don't know. What yeah, you, so it's kind of much. messing with my my theory here that, but I, oh my God, they said that piety is the religious, they said it's a religious name no, gathering piety the body is parts. mom. No, Kathleen, I'm not taking that. Jonah that means, is fucking his half-sister, no. Sophie. So let's just, let's just keep going, but I'm we all leave, know that the, I think, The end of this scene is just that piety does offer her place, says you can't leave here, yeah. because if you don't leave here, you can't die like in your vision. And then she says- you know, if you know me and you know how we've worked this whole entire lifetime, that's not how this shit works, yeah. girlfriend. I'm choosing to believe that Piety's reaction was genuine to learning that Harris Specs was going to die. I like the little bit that Piety is in charge, but isn't sure that she's going to sick the dark yeah. ash on her yet. I just like that little loophole. I think yeah, I mean, I'm still fully in, especially once we get into episode seven, that Breakspear is the dad, but I just don't know who's controlling the dark asher. So we're going to find yeah. out. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. Goddamn weeks to find us out. <laughs> yeah, true for you. So we move back to uh, Philo again. 
he is now found Millworthy, just kind of loafing about on the row, essentially. He's still recovering from losing the little dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Philo basically is trying to learn more about uh, Ashling and their past. Yeah, you learn that she was very, very, very happy and then canceled her standing show at the Abbey. I'm, I, it's so funny because I'm imagining it as like her, your show at the, in Vegas. Like I'm every <laughs> night from, from yeah. January till whatever. Britney Spears. Yeah, right. Like a standing <laughs> show and a residency. So he says she was super happy, but then all of a sudden she canceled her show. She went away for months and then came back and was sad and a different person. And he always wondered if she went away to have a baby. Right. Because when he's saying she's happy, she's he's saying that there's a man. She knows there's a man. He knows that there, there was a man is. that was making her happy. And then something changed. They start talking about Kyle's song. They, they get a little sing together. Yeah. My only son. Yeah. <laughs> or however it goes. Yeah, I was literally just trying to look at the lyrics frantically, the but I didn't get there. Times that Kyle has sung on podcasts. Yeah. I know. It's I love ridiculous. it. I know. <laughs> hey, <Who> did- <laughs> True. That would have been the OG. Uh, so then we also find out from Millworthy that she stayed with a benefactor in the crossing. And if she were to have been, you know, away pregnant with someone, it would have been theirs, what he says. Mm-hmm. And then this is the kicker at the end of the, uh, the conversation is that Millworthy tells him it was the finest watchmaker in the Berg. Yeah, baby. You love to see it. And then we also see Berwick, Berwick watching him and yeah. tailing him and saw this conversation happen. But back to what I just said. Fuck yep. yeah, right? Fuck yep. yes. Finally, finally connecting some dots here. Burn Rose. The watchmaker. You love yep. to see it. Really Their dad seemed like a good guy. Daddy's yeah, Burn he Rose. like a great And of course, dude. fucking stupid Ezra is mad yeah. about yeah, it yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like embarrassed. Next like, episode, mm. he's so mad about it. He didn't raise those kids right. Yeah, he definitely didn't. All right, let's well, quit. he raised Imogen, okay. Ah, no, Agree no, has changed, changed her. Yeah, All right, yeah, let's, r- let's, let's get to the next episode. Let's, let's run Quickly run this. through this next scene because I hate this scene. Dombey goes to Portia starts asking her questions about Philo and she fucking rats him out. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And so she tells him about being a half-blood. She is unaware of the killing parts, but we know that Dombey thinks that Philo is also the killer. Not only that he's a half fae, but that he's the killer. The policemen, the constabulary, whatever, are putting pieces together saying, okay, Philo's leaving shit out. These all wrap up to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After she gives this piece... That's the smoking gun. Yeah, she do, she divulges that he's half Faye and that the the murdered Faye is his mom. Yes. Fucking hell. Yeah. And it's also important, I guess, to talk about the fact that right before that, she's up in his room smelling the covers, being a little sad. That second part of this scene, it was kind of a two-part scene, was Dombey telling Flute. And then at the end of the conversation, after he gets all this information, he gives the order to bring Philo in. And then this is when we have finally a little crossing of the worlds, but not yep. really with Philo going to the Spurn Roses to find out the truth of what really happened because I don't think Ezra or Imogen are in this scene. No, right? it's just, it's just Afisa. Afisa. And Afisa just remembers Ashling being there and staying there and them having the little kid and the baby had half-breed wings that were going to be too weak to fly anyway, which is a cool fact because it makes you feel less bad that they got shorn because he wouldn't have been able to fly regardless. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. And do you think that that kind of defect is because it's a half. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. They said it like, doesn't happen often. Usually they die. 
Right. You're totally right. Yeah. Um, I think I was just so wowed by the fact that it was the spur. They stayed at the Spurn Roses that I was just. Yeah. It's funny. Philo is probably like, God damn it. I'm going to this house. Didn't I just freaking own this, this young dude for trying to <laughs> sandbag vignette? I love this scene, especially when. Such a good scene. To me, with just those two, when the feast is like, I always wondered uh, where he turned out, how he turned out, where he went. And I wanted him to be like, it's me. <laughs> but then he did. He did say that. Yeah. He's like, you, you don't have to wonder anymore as he's getting fucking ripped out of the house by uh, Dombey and gang and, and co. They beat the shit out of him in the streets. And then Call I guess the slightly, slightly redeemable. Berwick stop pulls one of them off Philo saying like, you know, stop hitting him. Yeah. Yeah. Still, well, I mean, Philo actually Philo smokes Dombey with a headbutt, which is great. Yeah, that was love phenomenal. a good headbutt. I always yeah. think that's the most psychotic move you could do, yeah. but effective because that shows you're a badass yeah. when you have the opportunity. You just headbutt. For someone. some reason, that always reminds me of uh, Sons of Anarchy. I feel like yeah. Jax did Jax does plenty yeah. of headbutts in in that show. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of One Piece. It's <laughs> 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 just Luffy throwing that, that at her own. But yeah, so now, okay, so of course now Philo has been arrested. Vignette has been arrested. We know they're going to Crash meet. course, baby, in episode mm-hmm. seven, The World to Come. So we start this episode with a, a down-on-his-luck Millworthy. He's got his luggage. He's lost all of his friends. He's just trying to get a train out of the city. So he coughs up basically the last of his cash, his coins. I don't think he has any guilders. I don't think he's that rich. No. Um, when he runs into uh, Symes, who is Jonah's like head tutor Symes offers him a job. Uh, they used to be friends back in the day. They used to get on stage and perform. Symes used to sing and Symes knows that he went to college, got a degree and everything. And was like, Hey, you should come be uh Jonah Breakspear's arts and letters scholar. Cause we're going to pay you a shit ton of money. So he's basically, you know, gives a reaction. Okay. I can get down with that. Cause I'm broke. And yeah. we very quickly transition into a carriage rocking bang scene Ooh, between baby. what Kathleen believes are half siblings, half siblings. Kathleen, but great tension there. Kathleen, real quick, rehash that theory for me. Okay, I'm going to rehash this theory for you. Uh, and it goes a little something like this. <laughs> Alaria Sand, a.k.a. Piety. Okay. I believed that her intentions to kind of kidnap Jonah and frame Ritterbane was to get Sophie... <laughs> Ritter longer vein, right? <laughs> Ritter longer vein. <laughs> get Sophie out of... Ritter Longer Bane's grasp. Okay. And my theory was because that was her long lost daughter. So, and but you're saying that means that Piety and your boy Ritter Bane were getting, getting dirty. some money because, Down that, and because that would be the only way that Sophie's and her when, daughter. And, and when Longer Ritter Bane, <laughs> Ritter Longer Bane looks at Piety coming in with him with some tea or whatever that ends up uh, eventually poisoning him, she, he kind of seems a little relieved that she's going down there. Like, it's because. They were lovers. They conceived a child together. In the it's not past. bad. Thank you. So now, so now you're saying that Sophie and Sophie and Jonah, Jonah are half siblings and they're banging. They don't know who is the um, That's just like who's the parent that they share? Piety. 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 Okay. So I don't agree. <laughs> you brat. No, that just totally goes against my theory, and I like mine better. So it doesn't go against it too bad, though. Actually, they could both exist in the same world. Okay, but I love the scene. So they're fucking in a carriage. Just in public. Humans walking by. The Both the carriage drivers are fed up with their shit. One of them says something like, can you imagine if people knew what we were doing? Meanwhile, the <laughs> carriage is just a yeah. steady rocking. After it's done rocking, they just get out. Well, yeah. she gets out. 
Sophie says she's going to call a vote of no confidence to Breakspear in a fortnight. So she's kind of laying out her plan to yeah. Jenna at this point, too. They have a really cool dialogue point where at this conversation where Sophie kind of is leading all of this and telling Jonah that moments like this are what shape the future of the world. And she's telling Jonah, you don't realize what I'm offering you. Uh, she hasn't explicitly laid out what she's giving him or what she's planning to do, but what she's getting at is that if he decides to jump all the way in, those two are going to fuck shit up and change Carnival Row. And Literally. you need to jump on this opportunity because these are the, the, the moments in history that don't come along too often. And I thought that was typical of Sophie being just badass, like awesome. Yeah. She's just the best. What a shame that we haven't had her this whole entire eight episode. So that's that. We skip to Millworthy is now Jonah's tutor, of course. Mm. And Jonah's kind of giving this rich boy lip. Whatever they're paying you, I'll pay you double. Just like tell them I'm doing good, whatever. And Millworthy's like, you fucking thought. Whatever it is. So Mil- Millworthy takes a stand and it sticks. Yeah, I did not think he had it in him. No, me neither. Millworthy's been dealing with little dude's shit for a while. <laughs> so he knows. <laughs> he said they're feisty fellows, but... Again, this is another thing where I don't give a shit about Jonah's character. I mean, meaning character is personality trait, not his actual character. I, you know, I don't, I don't think he's a good dude. I think that he's interesting when he's with Sophie, like we said. I like Sophie a lot for her character, quote unquote. I just think he's douche, pretty much. Yeah, he's very, uh, he's very surface level. Yeah, you know, because the scene. The original Sophie and him seem in the carriage after they bang. She's like scheming, planning all these things. And he's just like taking it. Like when when they're talking about the phrase moments like this. And she's saying moments like this as in moments that change the, the direction of history. Right. And he's singing moments like this where he gets to smash. Yeah, exactly. You know? So she's out here playing fucking 8D chess. And he's just sitting there with his dick in his hands. Playing fucking checkers. Like this. <laughs> he could definitely be a character that eventually they turn him up. He's going to be. Yeah, they're going to turn yeah. him up. He but... seems to be very beta and just yeah. whoever he's around, he's just a wh- even like Millworthy at this point, but Sophie or Piety or Absalom, like whoever he's around, he thinks he has some confidence, but yeah. they always take him down. So. He let his mom hold him butt ass naked in a in a bathhouse <laughs> for days, man. This is true. This is a great Millworthy scene, though. Yeah, yeah. it really he's is. He's like, this dude, is- I've he's like, I've been fucking poor. I don't give a fuck about people yeah. like you. He he reads him too like a book. He's like, You're afraid. You know, you have no yeah. confidence. Like never you've never even well. thought about the future. You wouldn't believe what? the things that I've seen and I- done. I'm interested to see if they keep Millworthy around to have him with Jonah more. You know, to see if he changes uh, Jonah's character at all. I think th- those two would be a, a good contrast to each other. Yeah. I think Jonah definitely needs Millworthy. I don't know that Millworthy needs Jonah. He it- needs his little dudes, man. I hope they come back. I mean, uh, not in episode eight. They're gone. They're on the ship. But they're going to come back and save the day. They're going to have them. Well, like I said, my that. theory. Yeah, dark at knife point. The dark <laughs> ass is going to be attacking. And, and then, then the little dudes are going to come in with their little forks and just start. <laughs> Hacking <laughs> at his ankles. I love that. And his squid tentacles. <laughs> Leopold, Cassiopeia, Fike, and Trady. Oh, so yeah, you go Ninja Turtles if you ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the new fucking Donatello Raphael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, shit. this bucket of the episode really only has one more scene, and this is post bang part two of Sophie and Jonah meeting Chaos. up. Chaos. Chaos is a ladder, James. Yes, it is. So. 
I have the quote. I'll let the boys go more into detail. But she's kind of saying, ask me the question. Ask me the question. And he, he says, why? And she says, chaos, which is just such an amazing answer. Chaos, just plain and simple. She's the blunt. She says, chaos is the great hope of those in the shadows. Regimes fall, old worlds burn, and we decide what rises from the ashes. He says that. So that's what he responds with. Mm. And it is scheming at just top-notch scheming in a stupid carriage in the middle of the public. And Jonah is just eating all of this out of her hands. Yeah. He is loving everything she says since she's been on the screen, and she he just feels <laughs> that he's going to be a weapon for her. So the only thing that I don't love is this thing that, we, that we've talked about with other shows like The 100, Hope or Jordan from The 100. They really shouldn't know how to be a human if they've really been this sheltered. Sophie shouldn't know how to just fuck the shit out of Jonah well, and like well, get her she, way. <laughs> she does say that she Listen grew up to, listening in the yeah. other room of, so, of the So best the scheming part, part yeah. um, I, I'm more just like generalizing, yeah. but I mean, I love it to death, but I like to think about these things where it's like, that's a hold up. great quote. I it don't really have the is. specific quote, but to summarize what she says is when some of the most powerful conversations are happening down the hall, yeah. yep. you really get to learn and grow. So. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle nailed it last episode. I just think that at this point, I'm taking Sophie like she's using Jonah, even the bang sesh, everything. She just is using his. She wants to control both sides of the party and she can control Jonah because he's a little bitch. That's how I'm taking it. Like, I don't think she's going to think this is a 50 50 partnership where they're both taking over. I honestly think that it might she might allow it to look that way, but she's going to control it all. So do you think that uh, do you think she's trying to king him like piety is trying to? I think Sophie is trying to control him. Yes. I, I don't think that she actually gives a fuck about Jonah. I think she needs him and that's how she's going to king him. And then meaning control everything with him as king. Well, I mean, piety was like, you know, you're yeah. destined for great things. You could even be the king. I mean, when you're saying that she wants to control both parties, I mean, yeah, right. she controls both parties and they're under him. I mean, he's the king. Yeah, that makes sense too. I, I, I feel like that her character is just all control and yep. he's going to be the little biatch. I mean, my, my note here is, all caps. She's legit. Yeah, she is. So legit. Too legit. So that's yeah. where we leave these two for the episode, and I can't wait for them in the finale. But our next bucket we're going to run through is there's three quick scenes. Hmm. The third one ain't so quick, though. No. Is the Spurn Roses. We're going to hit all the Agrius <laughs> and Imogen scenes right here. And the first one is Agrius is arriving back to the neighborhood with Imogen, assumedly after their auction experience and they're both surprisingly happy with how the date went mm -hmm. like you could just tell that they're just both interested in each other even more and just surprised that it didn't it wasn't awful it's the classic end of a date where they they kind of want to still hang out but that yeah. no one wants to say it but then afisa comes out and is saying ezra's having a fit about something whatever it is right before they get split up Imogen, I didn't write it down because I think I loved it so much that I was focused. Imogen says something like, I don't like anybody I've, I know. She's looking at him dead in the eye. That was fun, basically. I like you. It kind of made me realize. She finally I has I some introspection on her Kardashian lifestyle. Yes. She's realizing what a bitch she's been in the past. Does anyone have the exact quote? Because it's great. She's having a full out realization in that moment. I don't think I like anybody I've ever met. Bitch, I feel like that all the time. <laughs> she, now she's finally having fun. Uh -huh. Yep. And this scene actually takes place a little bit after in the previous episode, Philo right. got arrested at the Spurn Roses. So 
after their conversation, Imogen and Agrius, Imogen goes inside and Ezra's walking around pissed because this is just a couple hours ago, Philo was just arrested. And he's not only just pissed about Imogen having to forcefully be in the public scene with a puck, he's also now pissed about his family's history sheltering Ashley and sheltering a fae that was pregnant. So he's just pissed. Yeah, Yeah, he's a pregnant picks tart is what he calls Uh, it. It's another scandal. This is when he's saying pretty much like, we got to get you out of this deal with Agrius. Yeah. And she's like, oh, really? Imogen has this iconic almost head tilt that she does like for dog. the next episode. Watch <laughs> it. It's, it's almost like Otto, our, yeah. our little uh, famous little French bulldog here. <laughs> At this point, she's still trying to play up her anti-critch personality to Ezra, but you could just tell it's full of holes now. Yeah, yeah it's so can, much more obvious. Yeah, you could tell she's disappointed when he's saying, I need to get you out of this deal. The next scene with these people is uh, is Ezra actually chatting with Agrius and kind of moving to get her out of the deal. Originally, they're tra- they're chatting a little business. You know, they're talking some ship talk. They're talking about hull size. They're talking about I don't know, maybe uh, what are those things called that, that take the wind? Yeah, yeah. They're they're throwing all these terms out there <laughs> yeah. like they know what they're talking about. And they are um, both pretty satisfied with the actual investment itself. Yeah. 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 And we start to find out a little more about Agrius's past. Ezra's done a little digging on our boy, Mr. Agrius. We learned that he was an indentured servant for five years. Is it an indentured servant or just a servant? I wrote indentured, indentured servant is just like it's he's the one of the people yeah. that was on the boat, right? You know? So they're drinking whiskey, they're hanging in, and Ezra kind of calls him out something about a skipjack, yeah. almost like pulling out a card. Yeah. I did my uh research. research as well so he says what's it well, what is skipjack whatever so he says a skipjack is someone who tracks workers who have run away and Ezra's kind of pulling the card that he's saying like okay so you hunt your own kind and he's like dude i've never met another one that wasn't a human i, I took that as humans are looking for other humans as well so what's the difference of it was i reading that completely no, wrong i think he meant it more that every skipjack ever is pretty much a human and he saw it as an opportunity to get his way in there and he doesn't care about other pucks interesting i read that so wrong the quote that he follows it up with is you see i realized a long time ago that if i was to find my way in the world of men i'd have to play by the rules of men Mm -hmm. so basically you know yeah like luke just said Ezra kind of tries to throw it at him like wow you hunted your own kind it's such a bad thing that you were doing this job and he's saying well Everyone who does this job is is a man like you. You know, the argument doesn't really hold weight. Right. Because he has no attachment, it seems, there to it his species. Yeah. No, I mean, not at again, all. Again, whoever it was in the last couple of episodes, I'm pretty sure it was Luke. You just totally nailed it how you said he doesn't care about race. He cares about his status. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't. he's not offended when you say he's a puck. He's offended if you treat him like he's not high status rich. rich. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, I read that really wrong. But as the scene progresses, you just see Ezra being such a little bit. The minute Agrius kind of like steps to him or says something intense, Ezra goes behind the boat table <laughs> yeah. that they're on. So he's finally brings up Imogen and it obviously just gets nowhere. You don't even see the conversation and then you you flash to Imogen and Ezra and so him be like, so I brought it up and you will have to follow out that contract. <laughs> you absolutely will have to. Really? Because I took it as doesn't he go on to say? No, he does. But he, he explains he says yeah. that he's already starting to make some social impact with the triple thorns yes he says that once i'm in we're done and it's getting close yeah you know so it's still the deal is the deal but it's not a far long deal where they she's gonna have to be doing this for a long time they Mm -hmm. think yeah he's happy with the fact that he's 
under the impression that it's going to be quicker. But the Triple Thorns are the ones who wanted to buy the paintings? No. No, they oh, donated I, am I was reading oh, this. Oh, no, no. Yeah. So they're the yeah. ones that donated the paintings, and they wanted to get to know the person who spent oh, the money. okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow, I really fucked this whole thing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just... You're a rook. It's all right. She is saying, oh, wow, like, you know, it could be a long time until that happens. Then he brings up the tea thing, and it's like, you know, yeah. hopefully this will be over quickly. And her response is, you know, we can only hope, but obviously she doesn't think that. She's sad, I man. think I was kind of watching this through Imogen's eyes, knowing that she doesn't want it to end and knowing that she has some sort of background in the fact that she he's not making headway with these people. Mm-hmm. Specifically after that art showing, like the fundraiser, I... No, I think he's making progress with yeah. the real ones who are, who are fed up with all the racist bullshit. Okay, this guy's interesting. Sure. He's got money. He's got yeah. He's got something to say. Let's listen to what this guy's talking about. Yeah, and he doesn't care about the people that are the ones that he's owning at the art show, you know? So, or art He doesn't care about bitch face. Yeah, mm-hmm. he doesn't care about Leslie. <laughs> All right, if we're, if that's it, yeah, it's time oh, for the scene. I thought that meant I missed something. I was like, wait. No, 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 no. It's time to <laughs> go to the, uh, <laughs> the Agria scene. <laughs> this is a lit-ass scene. I just even like this beginning. So Agrius is with his manservant looking at this painting and mm-hmm. it's not up yet. They're not hanging it. They eventually get it up, whatever. But Imogen's like hoeing around in the background. Yeah, She's like, Hey, could you imagine the joy that Agrius must've felt that she walked into his house yep. knowingly and by her own volition? Mm-hmm. That's lit. That is That's lit. love. And they're going to light that light thing <laughs> <laughs> later. Light that light thing. So they do have a quick conversation about the painting itself, though. Yeah. Which is just filled with symbolism. We don't have to cover it all. Agrius oh, I like is, it. Uh, yeah. We can. No, no, we definitely can. Because Agrius is really, I took it as he was testing Imogen to see how she interpreted yeah. someone with horns being showed as the devil and someone with wings being the angel. He was just kind of testing her. What else did you take from that, Kyle? So he, like you're saying, kind of, throws her that softball pitch down the center of the plate of, you know, the person with the horns is obviously the demon and the devil. But then he gives her the question, why is he pulling heavenward? Mm-hmm. You know, instead of pulling her, you know, pulling the girl downward or the man rather downward. And she says that maybe he could be a rescuer. And then he asks her back, like, what would he be rescuing her from? And she goes from the ordinary. And I love his quote back to her because my man's smooth as hell. And he goes, as if you, Miss Burnrose, would know the first thing about being ordinary. It's like, oh, my guy knows. Sam is freaking did, did it, it right, right there. there. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a Thomas Edison, this guy. Yeah. He's like, look at this light. Well, that was her. She kind of got nervous and was like, well, what's that thing? And he's yeah. like, my dick. <laughs> <laughs> And that's so funny, yeah, because I, I have this thing that I, I wrote down. Agria shows her his electric lamp. Yeah. That's not a euphemism. He literally shows her an electric lamp. Yeah, right. They, we don't even have to cover what that part is, but it is cool that, real quick, that, that Agrius does show again that he has not a socially progressive, but like a structurally progressive mindset where he's saying that soon yeah. The cities are going to be filled with wires and there's going to be electricity everywhere. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to him having that is him, you know, it's a representation of the future of a, of a better world. Mm-hmm. You know, electricity is to him is seen as cleaner, more efficient. And she even says to him, like, is that you having that mindset? Is that what gets you through basically all the racism? 
you know, you just are so, you know, laser focused on that. There is a better future out there and eventually we'll get there. I love it. Which it comes back around at the end of the scene. Mm-hmm. It sure does. Can we jump into it? Yeah. This Hell is yeah. It. Okay. Let's just talk about how many layers of clothing there are. In oh the my old God. Days. Take in the colonial, old ass yeah. days. So when she takes off her corset and just starts breathing, it's exactly the same thing as when Vignette got her wings out of it. The sigh of relief. She's really letting it. She lets her hair down. She takes the corset off. She's made like a sigh of relief. Oh, it's hot. It's really hot. I have to say, though, as much as I wanted this to happen, and I'm so down for these two, it's a little different than, say, Vignette, who's full human with wings, Mm -hmm. and that's a pix, right? Of course, different blood, whatever it is. It's a little different than fucking someone with horns and fucking hooves it seems a little animalistic from the waist down yes like it's it's pretty much what's that called reality reality yeah like it feels different than when vignette was fucking philo no i mean it's i I would say the difference is that he's a conscious intelligent being that has emotions and feelings you mean yeah 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 of course and i'm totally down for i mean Besides the fact that Kyle spoiled it and said, yo, them fucking in the group text, I might have been a little bit scared that she was going to get freaked out and run away from when he takes his pants off. Yeah. You know, they show his nice six pack abs. They're going down. They're panning down. I was like staring at the screen. I was like, where does the hair start? Where's the hair start? Where's that schlong? What's going to happen? Is this an animal schlong? Is this a freaking man schlong? How is he going to be plowing? And... He, I mean, he's strong. He's a strong guy. I will say he is ripped. I yeah, thought is. that this was one of the most deserved bangs. Yeah. Through seven episodes of almost any TV show yeah. ever. <laughs> Jesus, man. The sexual yeah. tension has been off the roof since probably their second interaction. Yeah. I mean, that's when you called it, right? Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. when he was initially introduced. It was a little bit after they interacted. You could tell how much she rejected and hated the idea of him there was a path there yeah for, them for the record together. like i was always joking that ezra and imogen were gonna bang although it's still on the table <laughs> <laughs> joking yeah you can't say that now no but i mean it's hard for me to ever say i call something when anybody on the screen they're banging they're yeah. gonna bang but this one this one i thought um it was always gonna culminate yeah. in this anyway uh Moral of the story, totally worth 300,000 guilders to buy that painting for all this to go down. Yeah. Don't you think? He I have right um, up against the door, man. I have three things that I want to say. First <laughs> of all, I'm going to defend myself on the spoiler a little bit because you texted in succession, wowie, oh my God, it's truly insane how hard I'm rooting for Imogen and Agrius, and then love is love. And I obviously interpreted it that as you watch them have sex. <laughs> but doesn't that speak to me for saying that love is love before they even fucked? I was like, I can't wait for them to fuck because love is love. Yeah, yeah no, I agree with you there. I just, I mean, I should have known by now that you would have said something more explicit than that. But, but I definitely took it as you watch them bang. Um, yeah. The second thing I want to say is that the act of them taking off all of the clothes is like annoying on its face, but I think in reality it's very intimate and like sensual. The tension builds each individual mm-hmm. article of clothing that like comes off. It's, it's a nice little activity that they do together. You know, they undress mm-hmm. each other, which I think is actually very nice. It's the and anticipation then, um, of it all, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. And then uh, the last thing is after he puts her up on the wall and, my, and when our man starts getting into them strokes, the, the camera pans and it's them in the light bulb 
banging in the light bulb. So they've yeah. replaced the electricity now and it's their interaction, their relationship, their love, oh. which is the future that they're looking for. That's lit. Yeah. Dude. yeah I thought that was a really nice little Isn't subtle directing thing they did there. Yeah. That actually is really cool. I didn't even notice that. I was too busy staring at his hairy ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Oh, I, I mean, I guess I have a couple more things. Uh, so he is ripped as fuck. And they yeah, said that he, he used to work out to a, a bunch of Jay. He exclusively works out to Jay-Z music. Are those actually his legs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of leg curls and deadlifts. But also I, another funny thing, too, because you're talking about them, the hair and his legs. So it takes him seven hours to get into that full body costume. So every single shot that shows him full body with the legs and everything, they shot that within like a two day period. Oh my God. Cause they were like, we can't keep getting you into this and out of it. So yeah, his I walking just, is so crazy with those hooves. It's so it's funny. Cause looking. I feel like I always just assume when I'm watching that every scene is shot in the chronological order that like it's shown yeah. to us, but it's so obviously not like that. We've been learning and learning through talking to our celebrities and through this podcast. <laughs> actors and actresses, yeah. All right, so any more thoughts on Agrius and Imogen? I guess now we can start saying, if you guys want to put a prediction on the board, this is it for the finale, where they're going, what their storyline is Let's just wait to the end. I don't really have anything for them. I don't know what it could be mean for the end game besides love. Love is all for me. I assume that they write the shit for me. So I think that she's shit's gonna hit the fan for her on her end. I think that she's gonna lose status. Ezra's gonna flip shit. I guess it depends on how much she owns it. Like if she's just gonna say, All right, I'm with Agrius now, is Ezra just gonna say, All right, kick you out of the house, he's gonna be with Agrius, she's gonna be living with Agrius. I mean, is she going to get pregnant and they're going to have to hide her in her own house like her her father did for Ashling? <laughs> I like that. It's a half-blood critch. Yeah, that's going to happen in the next 45 minutes. A half-blood fuck. All right. Philo and vignette time. This is going to be pretty much close out the episode, their whole storyline, because they spend most of this together. And our first actually intro ep- uh, scene into this episode is Philo being taken to jail and being brought to flute. And he's still playing the card that he has his reputation. Like, you know, I did not do this. I did not commit all these murders. Mm -hmm. And Berwick knows what they're doing to him is wrong. He knows. He knows. He knows. But there's nothing. At this point, it's so far gone. He kind of participated in the spreading of the information. Like, it's over. Like, Philo's going to have to deal with court and stuff like that. So they throw Philo. They're about to put him into where all the Fae is being held. But instead, they throw him into... I I guess these are criminals. It's the the freaking... Whatever their names are, the the sideburns oh, guys. it's all the... um, freaking racist guys that are freaking... Yeah, they're in jail for being racist. Is no, the, the the what are the the chops the, the mutton chops, chops guys. Are the sailor guys aren't they? oh you're talking about the guys from the rally that Dombey the yeah. rally that Dombey was at oh, okay I like that I didn't pick that up they all had well that, I thought but... they had the mutton chops on and stuff and um I just assumed they are racist people because they he's assuming he's going to get his ass whooped um I also want to just rewind for a second so you know Philo says you know I didn't do this and this guy flute. That he's known forever. I get it. You lied about being a half-blood, quote-unquote. Portia says that. You piece of shit. Like, yeah. you half-blood piece of shit. Like, this, the, the change is ridiculous. So, Jimmy, uh, you're probably right. I, I just assumed that 
in the human cell, there's a a creature cell. And then the middle cell was like maybe dangerous people is what I just assumed. They throw them in there. They're humiliating them. You see that V is obviously with the other Fae and, and creatures in the other one. So it's cool. So you're you're watching. You know they're in the same place, which yeah. is pretty lit. And he doesn't see her, though. He does yeah. not see her. She sees him first. Philo is kind of like yelling at people and turns his back to them to face out. And V's like, Philo, because they're about to attack him from the back. But then Philo, our boy, the OG, starts kicking their ass to the point where the, the other people don't even come after yeah, him. Yeah, you like you love to see it, man. You want to know Philo's a badass like that. We've known it, but yeah. just the fact that he's kicking the shit out of them, especially because they deserve it. I mean, he's a soldier that's been to war yeah. with the pack. Right. He can beat the shit out of street criminals. But yeah, so then when he goes to look and make eye contact with Vignette, she kind of backs into the corner of the shadows. Yeah, she of the, says, yeah. he says thank you, and she backs It's cool how she just falls into the shadows, mm-hmm. like disappears. Yeah. yeah. That's just what she her character is becoming as she becomes more with the Black uh, Raven. Yeah. Stuff like that. So, yeah. All right, so the next scene, we're back in the jail cell, and this time Dobby's coming back after the ass beating that Philo gave out. And he's opening the cage saying, get back in there with your own kind. Because yeah. obviously their plan just did not work yep. to have his ass beat. And he walks right up to Vignette and thanks her. Yep. And technically, I guess it's, is it girls and guys separated? So he has to go through the bars to talk to her. Yeah, yeah. they're catching up. He yeah. tells her the whole story. Catches her up. And then and then we switch to Tourmaline. Yes, Tourmaline. Actually, hold on. There's a quick, what we're going to lump into with this whole storyline is piety scene. Because the next day at the break, Spears manner whatever it is piety's now talking to the her specs again and saying that the murder has been caught you don't have to live in my house anymore you're safe the her specs is kind of just okay yeah, yeah. sure whatever mm-hmm. you know i know how this works yeah. you're acting like you don't know how this works yeah right and so so, so she says you're now safe from the dark asher basically and anything else from that scene no i mean it's just again piety's clearly upset about the prospect of losing the higher specs. Which confuses my theory. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy doesn't know what's going on now. <laughs> the witch still thinks she's going to die, like as she's walking yep. out. Oh, she yeah, she knows. Obvious. I don't need to stay here, or I, I can leave, I can stay, I'm going to die. <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go fate. back to my house when it's time to go back to my house, and the thing is going to come when it's time, and I'm going to die. So we move back to the jail, and Vignette and Philo are continuing um, their conversation. They're kind of comforting each other in their respective miseries. Uh, Philo's there because he's being framed for murder. Vignette's there because of the whole museum artifact situation. And Philo actually admits to her here that, I mean, all of the signs do point to him being the murderer. And he did actually lie to them about his background. While she says, you know, something along the lines of, you know, they should know you and all these things. He, he admits, he says, I lied to them. And sometimes there's no coming back from that. And he really means that about him and her relationship, you know, because yeah. I mean? he lied to her. So now we move to Tourmaline. So Tourmaline arrives yet again, rekindling that sexual tension with Cuppins at the mm. front decks of the constabulary. And she gets a quote of 50 guilders to buy, Torm- I mean, I'm sorry, to buy vignettes freedom. So once again, vignette cost 50 guilders. Mm. And guess free. what? Our girl T was going to go get those 50 guilders to get our girl out. She was. You know, she, loves- she makes that money. Yeah, uh-huh. damn she, right. was bang- she was banging Jonah. That's got to be. Tourmaline and Something. Vignette, I love. Uh, even if it's just best friends, I ride yeah. for friendship. Uh, but I liked this scene only because Tourmaline sucking, she exits at the same time Portia enters. Mm-hmm. Um, I like just any kind of... Because these two Two are, whores. Two <laughs> absolute whores. 
who <laughs> don't have any connection really in the same scene. Portia shows up for Philo and is like we said earlier in the episode, she's basically like, he's not a killer. She's claiming that she lied, which is just so stupid. Bitch, it's too late. Well, like, she doesn't know first. until he says it that he's being framed for murder, right? Right, exactly. I think she's just going to check on what happened to him. Or yeah, what his deal and is so she's like, she we got bad. him for the kills, too. So then she's like, whoa, I never said he was a killer. And then she, she does the whole, oh, I was upset. A little bit, yeah. yeah, I was upset. He, you know, we broke up. Uh, you know, I wanted to. Yeah, hurt she his panics, and it's good. It's good on her that she knows Philo to his core. Unlike these people that have worked with him, that are just refusing to see past his blood, who are ready to throw out any sort of relationship and any anecdotal evidence from the last seven years. It's good that she's like. Okay, I'm ready to just lie to the cops and throw myself. She in. is what he wanted, however many days ago before she screwed up his entire life. She, that is how he wanted her to react. The backtrack almost works as yeah, well, well because it does it work makes, technically. Kind of it does work, yeah. About it all. So flute ends up going up to Philo's cell right after this interaction and giving him the chance to clear his name and saying, "Admit to me right now that you're not a half blood and that Ashling was not your mother." And I'll let you go. I just need to hear the words from your mouth because Philo starts it off by not saying anything, sitting down. Mm -hmm. And he knows vignettes there, listening. And he, he's wrapping up his hands. This is such a decision. Is he long game with vignette or is he trying to get shit done right See, now? It's interesting that you're saying that. And I do think that vignette has something to do with it. But I truly think this is an internal battle with him. I think yeah. he's sick of okay, being, yeah. of hiding who he is. And, and he knows the social injustice of it all. He is like, Fuck this. Of course, it took him that whole 30 seconds of silence of sitting down and not answering to take the stance that he says, Ashling was my mother, which is no, so. No, I believe I, I. And the I crowd goes wild. That, that, yeah, that was I was purpose. like. Vignette was a bonus. Won't you come see about me? <laughs> so of me, the bug. Of the bug. So let me ask you guys a question, okay? At this point, when he is giving this option flute to Philo, do you think that he is believing that she's lying or do you think that he still thinks he's a half-blood but if he says he's not and you can't really prove it he's just gonna accept it i think these guys are so fucking stupid that he genuinely is like yeah bro you have blood or not and then the family <laughs> i think they literally go off of the word which is the dumbest well that's shit the thing ever. back I in think the day that's if how it he works was, if flute was willing to accept the fact that Portia was just a dumb hoe trying to fuck with his boy who's the inspector that gets shit done he was willing to forgive it but then Philo completely just yeah. owns it. I, mean, I do think that Flute likes Philo enough that he would give him that benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's crazy that if they're supposed to like him and respect him that much that one lady's, you know, what she says turns them that quick because everything's... back the second she backtracked it, though. Like right, but I'm saying, like, what... I think that the Ashling being his mom just nailed everything to them. And they were just like, listen, shit's just too convenient here. Again, his boy or they're his co-workers, not the douchebag one, but flute and and um, mustache man. You would think that Portia says something and they would want to ask him first or something to make before they decide he's a half blood piece of shit and arrest him. I think it's the combination of. They have a little bit of trust in Dom. This is Flute. I don't think Barrick really likes Dombey, but yeah. I think Flute does trust Dombey, you know, a decent amount. So Dombey is the one who comes with the information. And also, they're kind of getting Flute is fed up with the fact that Philo doesn't 
know anything about the case. He hasn't found anything when in reality he does know some things about the case yeah. and lied to him about that. Okay. I just, as soon as Philo says that Ashling's his mother and he blows up, that was just an intense scene. And yeah. it just solidified the, like, as if it wasn't obvious, just the racism. I just trumps everything. I just want to know if Philo's going to be in the Black Raven now <laughs> when he gets out. <laughs> That would be so sweet. We he's a legger see. now. I don't know. Can he be? Well, he's no. Nah, he's not a full legger. He could be. He's half fat, even if his wings are taken. I love the acting from Flute in this scene. I think it's really good because he wasn't really ever like angry at this level, and he just kind of flips that switch. I also just like how he pronounces. I trusted you. I believed in you. <laughs> it's really good. I think it's good acting, but I hate the reaction. Like, you know, it's the truth. Why else would he he be not fighting this? And be like, I'm not a fucking yeah, app, whatever it is. So next up, we get a uh, we get Beric, Cuppins, and Dombey in uh, kind of like the lobby, and they're arguing about whether Philo deserves a trial. Uh, obviously, Beric believes he deserves a trial. Dombey is straight up uh, saying that they need to you know create an accident in air quotes uh, and kill him. Cuppins is leaning towards Dombey's side. That's it's a very quick scene, but two things that I just think are kind of funny is that Dombey slaps Barry, slaps <laughs> and, he, and he keeps saying, "Let it percolate, let it percolate." <laughs> I just really like that. I'm gonna try to incorporate that into my daily lexicon. <laughs> just <laughs> let it percolate. Dombey slap had me laughing out loud. Yeah. It was so fucking funny. Dombey's another one of those perfect villains where I just can't freaking wait for Philo to kill him. <laughs> It's so good, man. The let it percolate. I fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, so then we move. Yeah. <laughs> we have Vignette. She's sort of proud of Philo for owning the truth about his blood and actually coming out and saying that he's a half blood. This is a great conversation because Philo starts reflecting on who the actual killer is and mm. the dark, who the person behind the dark asher is. And he starts throwing out the idea that it could be his father. Mm. And. To him, it would make sense because he's saying the father's killing all these people because he would bang. He was banging a fae. He was banging my mom, Ashling. So he's yeah. trying to protect his own reputation. And he has to be high class or someone of high social status that wants to hide it. I the, wonder who that could be. The best part of this whole thing is he said, "But why didn't he just come after me straight away?" Yeah. And he's and he's got this amazing. This is good acting. He's got this amazing like look in his eye, and he's wondering. <gasps> the dark asher must not know who i am or, and yeah, it's like it's why master. he didn't kill me in the tunnels and then the livers come into play yes. that's why they were taking the livers because it holds everybody's secrets finally my question is so the dark asher didn't kill philo because he didn't realize the mcmaster controlling him didn't realize philo is the son quote unquote or whoever he wants to be killing so the dark asher only kills we haven't seen a dark asher kill anybody any, that wasn't right, right purposeful right and the dark asher for what it's worth did charge at him a little bit yeah but he shot him a couple times with a gun and then he when he looked away he was gone he was gone yeah. i don't know i buy it i think that's good that's okay. a good enough reason unless you guys have issues with it no i mean i was just asking it makes sense because the dark asher has only devoured livers of the people connected to him and hasn't really touched anybody else right it didn't even kill the dog exactly, yeah, exactly. Sure i mean come on so boy's still alive and then the last part of this scene is that um, Beric actually comes down and informs Philo of Dombey's plan to uh, to kill him. And he, Philo actually hits him with a, you're a good man. Yeah, and he so, apologizes and says, I wish I could do more. How do you yeah, feel about that? Oh, that's <laughs> bullshit after that. Fuck your good man. He 
he screwed this whole thing by not talking to Fyler first. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a beginning and an end. I like him. He was a good guy in the beginning and the end, and then all that middle. I'm not hmm. down. Good guy till he's not. Yeah. That's what it is. V uh, tells him about the treasures in Tiernanak and how, obviously, she's like, I spent my whole life defending it, protecting it, and now it's it's here. And they kind of go into this, like, do you ever think about Tiernanak? And he says all the time. They get so close together. I was looking at the way they were directing this, and it's obviously they had to shoot it in two different ways because when she's talking, she's fully in the bars, and then when he's talking, they like, shoot it through her bar. I just liked that. I don't know yeah, that, that they obviously like had to shoot it multiple true times. True rekindling stuff, right there. I said right when they're rekindling, he, and and they're coming for him, and he's getting um, taken to an undisclosed location. They come down, they're they're moving him, and she, he's saying, "Stay with me, stay with me," because she's freaking out. She's like, "Don't take him, don't take him," yeah. but he's looking her dead in the eye. I love you. Stay with me. Stay. For these last seconds, look me in the eye. Oh, Philo. How did we get so lost? And he responds with, we're not. We're found. Yes. And then let me back up before we finish out this episode because there's a couple quick scenes we want to touch on. Then we'll hit the the final scene. A very important scene that I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the smaller ones. This links to the final, you know, reveal. But quickly, we'll just say that Quill does have another scene right around here. And this is... The scene, I would say probably his best scene. I don't know if you can even say that. They're in the the center for the cult, whatever cave that they're all together, all the pucks. And they bring in the heckler from the last episode that was beating the shit out of, was it Quill or one of the other pucks? No, it was was random. Yeah, Yeah, I might have mistaken. Quill was the one that was trying to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was going to help. So what they do to make Quill prove himself to the cause is take a cinder block and just kill this man even though when he's begging for his life saying he has a family doesn't matter the hidden one i think is their religious leader the hidden one wills it yep and he did not hesitate man fuck yeah um, and i will i don't know if this is important at all but he he kills him with this ancient like stone tablet that they specifically recovered from one of their old cities across the water before it was ransacked. So, in Puyan, where... Yeah, where, I don't know if the stone itself means anything or will mean anything to the story, but he does use that to kill the guy. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the Quill stuff right now is so... We have no idea what's going on, so... Yeah. yeah. So, before we get back to Philo for the last time in this episode, we do see Absalom Breakspear returning home from his country trip. I think it's the country trip that he yeah. mentioned to Jonah in yep. the beginning of the last episode. And what he hears is that the murderer has been caught and whoever it is that's telling him all this information mentions that a i think he just does he say ashling no he says the name he says ashling which catches his eye when he's walking up the steps he's like nobody told me about a dead fan they're like why would we yeah so yeah that's pretty much all it is because and he yeah he he's walking up the steps he hesitates and he says no one said anything about a dead pics and i'm just i mean side note not that big of a deal, but Weintraut. I just like the name Weintraut. That's his his advisor guy. That was the name, yeah. Yeah, yeah Weintraut. So directly after that is that quick vignette Philo scene we just talked about of him getting taken away by the, the cops, uh, throwing a bag over Philo's head and putting him in a car, and then he gets the bag taken off in a random dark room, and who walks up to him but Absalom. His father. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he's obviously thinking he's being taken to be killed. You're supposed because to think it's Dom because or of my right? theory. I was actually guessing that it was going to be Breakspear because of just the, the stairs and then the stair scene, and then the fact that I think he's the 
well, I don't think he's the killer. I think he's just the dad. I don't know who the killer is, apparently. <laughs> How are you feeling about your theory right now? I feel very good about Breakspear being his dad. I still wish I was right about piety because I like the two son thing. I like the Jonah thing. I just can't put together how piety could have a dark Asher. I mean, the whole part where they said um, Hamlin, right? Hamlin, right? Yeah, Hamlin says that someone with a religious name, the other Faye in the Black Raven, was was collecting body parts for her. I mean, I feel like that's easily piety, but I just can't figure out why, if the Harris Specs isn't part of it, how it could be created. And especially, we already talked about the fact that it's going to kill the Harris Specs and we, you know, all that bullshit. That's the part I need to be clear, cleared up. Okay, I'm going to just come back in with a fact check. So. He says the murderer was a half blood. It turns out the killings were to keep his secret. The murdered picks was his own mother. I'm told Ashling somebody. Ooh. And that's ah, nice. Okay. So you got it. So, we don't, yeah. Yeah. Okay. so I was dead fucking wrong. Me too. That's okay. It happens. It's so funny how my brain doesn't work in a way where I'm churning out theories. I'm like, what episode? Don't waste your brain power. Just watch the episode (laughs) at the end of the season, maybe when you have time. And that is the whole culture of binge shows versus weekly shows. Because Game of Thrones every week, week to week, everyone's ripping theories. You want more content. You're reading people's fan theories, whatever it is. Why theorize when I could just watch the next episode? Yeah, we're binge town TV, but we do like to have theories anyway. Just not me because I'm dumb. Kathleen's I'm not sure that. how season two is going to go, but because of what they did, Amazon did with the boys, there's a chance that it could be a week to week release. Thing. Well, they there's rumors that they're going to drop the, what they have so far and then finish the COVID. The, there's a couple episodes that weren't finished because of COVID and they'll just drop them whenever. So whether it's week to week, whether it's uh, stream binge, not sure, but mm-hmm. hopefully that'll be interesting. Soon. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting if there's like a big break between. I mean, them. they've been apparently they've been wait like season two would have been out by now. Yeah, that's kind of sad. You know, it's it's a shame. But my theory, I don't really have anything extra. I still I'm still sticking to my theory with what I said. Um, so who do you think is behind the dark Asher officially? Well, that's the th- I, I guess I'm still going piety. I mean, thoughts on who you think? Is behind I think the dark it's Asher? not Breakspear. I think. Uh, my only thing I will say is I think the piety reveal of whatever the fuck she's up to is going to play in big time. I don't know that she's necessarily controlling the Dark Asher, but I know that she's the one where we're kind of like, what are her intentions by any means? So that has to be the big reveal. Yeah, in we still, yeah, we still don't really know the whole shenanigans of why she did what she did. I mean, there's some, you know, oh, get put Jonah back in that line. That can't and be stuff. why. You but don't, it, yeah, there's got to be some more there. We're going to find that out. Look me in the eye when I talk theories. <laughs> I, I can't like I can't. I'm just trying to think on the top off the top of my head. Who else could be controlling the dark Asher at this moment? Sophie. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know who else could it be right now. It could be somebody using, you know, not their real name. Sorry, you know, I mean, if you're if you're having someone do illegal acts like digging up bodies for you, do you think she would just piety is obviously known in the Berg as piety. Like, people so, know who she is. Do you piety? think that she would just roll up with her name and be like, this is me, do this illegal shit for me? That's very true. So, Piety and Sophie are the same ethnicity? Uh, I, I don't know. Pharaoh. For a fact, 
that my brain is that's why my brain's playing into that mother so, yeah well that's why kathleen was going <laughs> on her worst. maybe sophie has because of that side can speak with the horror specs god what does the name have to do with anything now i said that when hamlin was talking to philo and philo was questioning him about the dark asher he said who would procure body parts to create the dark asher who in the black black raven would do that who was he doing it for? Religious All I know name. is it was yes. a religious okay, name. Sorry. I think it's got to be one of our big name characters. I think Piety's a, gr- a great guess only because we just don't know what she's doing. It's like, I hope it's not, though. I kind of hope it's not only because that seems kind of obvious at this point. Okay. But if it I might only be, seem obvious because you're shoving it in my face. If I want to be like, <laughs> I'm going real tinfoil because I have to change if I'm going to try to change my theory. If Sophie really wants to control that side of the family and control Jonah, then if there's another son, I don't know how she would know the prophecy. I don't know. But if there's another son, maybe she wants to get rid of the other son so that she only has Jonah to deal with once she takes out the rest of that family, Piety and the Chancellor. When would Sophie have had time to sneak out and make a fucking dark hasher? Another valid point. That's just, oh, God. I cannot fucking wait for you guys to watch the finale. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. It's not the little dudes, is it? <laughs> to the rest. I what just, they I like, no one even wants to mention Porsche. Go Balls. Go Balls. The little man. Thoughts, Porsche? Dark Asher? I think Por- Porsche's got Porsche. it in her. <laughs> the only reason why I can't see who else it could be is because the obvious, it's obvious that the Dark Asher is destroying everyone who has to do with Philo. We know Philo is who the end game is. So who cares about Philo besides, like, who's connected to Break Spirit? Is it Jonah who's who's gonna turn out to be like a mastermind all along? I don't no. I don't feel like I should stop talking. I at think this that point. mean you go with piety. I mean you guys have guessed like almost everybody seventy percent of the it, characters. Is it, is it <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, I nailed it. <laughs> That's what I say. When you when you call that everyone in the cast is gonna fuck each other, then you don't get any props when one of them does. Yeah, I don't really have any other theories about any other characters at this point. We I do hope that obviously vignette's gonna get out philo is out depending on what happens with him and breakspear uh i would really like to see philo in the black raven man now that he's fully out as a fae so he's gonna be he's obviously not gonna be the inspector anymore all right i think you guys are really gonna like the last scene of of uh the next episode okay okay where it ends is is gonna be good for for the two of you guys so yeah that is that's all she wrote that is episodes six and seven Season one of Carnival Row. Jimmy sticking to his guns with his theory. Uh, Kathleen sticking to her guns with Imogen and Ezra still on the table. <laughs> so we got a, we got some good sexy time. Like I said earlier this episode, a lot of great character interactions. I mean, Sophie Longerbane has just absolutely stolen this show away from Philo almost. Uh, it's kind of at the point where we can say that. So as always, if you like what you heard... Stick around with us. We got one more episode left covering the finale, a solo episode. The next time we drop a Carnival Row episode. Also, we do The Mandalorian is coming out right now. We got the the rest of the Bingetown crew is doing that. We do shows like CW's The 100, Bardicus, everyone's favorite TV show, Cursed. What else we do? The, the, the Hill House or The Haunting series, rather, and a lot more will be coming out as well. So if you like what you heard, follow us. 
on Twitter and Instagram at Bingetown TV. Definitely subscribe on Apple or Spotify, wherever you, uh, you listen to these episodes so you get notified when they drop. We got a new website, so check us out, bingetowntv.com. What else is there? I don't know. There's always a laundry list. Shout out to anyone who's listening to from Reddit. Keep upvoting our post. Comment on it. We love talking to you guys. And I think that's everything. Right? And we love you guys. Yeah, besides the, the classic, we love you guys. We just do. Laura Lilo. Laura Lilo. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Bye. Peace. Love you.